Hello, everyone. Welcome to You, Me, Them, Everybody. My name is Brandon Weatherby. This episode with Jack Inslee is about Beyond the Mat, which is currently streaming on Netflix. It's my favorite documentary about the squared circle. And even if you don't care about professional wrestling, I think you might enjoy this documentary. Uh, part of it is gory, and I don't like that part either, but it's important in the story. Speaking of gory, things aren't great everywhere, and that's why we have a Patreon account. You could donate to that at youmethemeverybody.com or in this podcast description. If you're listening to this on Spotify, that's great. Uh, but go to youmethemeverybody.com because uh, we don't get any money from them whatsoever. So why are we even on this? Anyways, that's 2020. This episode ends with uh, some uh, dialogue I had with Jake the Snake Roberts. And uh, it, it's... Uh, it's an interesting uh, it's an interesting story about a WWE Hall of Famer. All right. So you it took a few weeks but you finished beyond the mat. It was a trip. Yeah. Yeah, I loved it. Good, I'm so glad. I really did. Um a lot different than the last film we watched uh Bret Hart wrestling with shadows. You know what though? It was um that was good prerequisite viewing, I think. Yeah, yeah. I, I felt I felt way more ready for this uh, having seen the Bret Hart doc because the Bret Hart doc comes at wrestling from I think more of a nostalgic, emotional place, at least in terms of when I got into wrestling. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was just very, yeah, I was more prepared for this. What's your initial reaction? Uh, this is a film that's pretty well received in the non wrestling community. Um, I clearly love it. This is one of the reasons why I got into wrestling. I did not see it when it came out, though. Really? Oh, yeah. I don't care about the in-ring stuff pretty much at all. Like, if wrestling's five components, the in-ring stuff is, like, my fifth most interesting component. Okay. Yeah. So, And this barely goes into the in-ring stuff. So, I love it. True enough, right? It's not... They don't really talk about the sport itself very much. Um... I I think it's interesting how we've been talking about sports stocks, who makes them, um, mm-hmm. who produces them, sort of objectivity. This is certainly not an objective sports stock, um, but Barry Blaustein, mm-hmm. the director producer, I, I like how he's kind of just really upfront about his fandom of the sport, yes. his relationship to it, and inserts himself throughout as as subjective director. Um, this is a one and done. This is um, uh, a special time and place. This doesn't exist five years prior or five years later. This definitely does not exist with Hulk Hogan in the company. This doesn't exist if WCW isn't doing incredibly well. They're never even mentioned in this documentary. I don't know if you noticed that. I uh, did not. Yeah, they're, and this doesn't exist without the Monday Night Wars. This doesn't exist when... They're a public entity. This definitely does not exist now because they have their own network, which they could control every single narrative. This is the most objective documentary about wrestling that I've ever seen. I mean, you I, I know this because you told me this, um, but this is the last time we get a semi-real glimpse at Vince McMahon, the person, correct? Yes. that's Well, it depends. It, what do you consider realistic? Because he'll still occasionally do mainstream media interviews and like when he's doing the playboy interview when he's doing men's health stuff i think he's being very open and honest but it's definitely more about, about what 
about what though? About his business or about other topics? Because well, the Playboy interview, which I'll send you a link to, that's a must read for anybody. That's the origin story of Vince McMahon. It's the source guy that Chris Kelly and I used the most when we were writing our book, uh, at least when it comes to Vince. And it's this like machismo broken down. It kind of reminded me of Larry Flint's origin story. Okay. So it's a lot of that stuff. But when it comes to the day-to-day, Beyond the Mat does not care about the origin of the WWF or Vince McMahon or any of that. Vince is a supporting character at best. And because of that, I think we get a way better look of what was actually going on in like 97, 98 WWF. Hmm. All right. I mean, I guess what I meant by it was, was the way he sort of almost winks where he's like, this is television, baby. Like, I don't know. Oh, he, yeah, yeah. he just seems to break a wall that I don't, that I've, I've assumed he hasn't really since. Well, that's the thing. So <laughs> this is one of the top uh, 10, top 20 things that have influenced WWE in the last 20 years. Number one is definitely the Montreal Screwjob, which is covered in that documentary. Without the Screwjob, you don't get the Mr. McMahon character, the villain, right? Right. Okay, so... That's this is a continuation of wrestling with shadows, right? Because in that movie, we're getting or that documentary, we're getting to see sort of behind the scenes, but this is a mixture of behind the scenes Mr. McMahon and the Vince McMahon, the CEO. Does that make sense? It does make sense. So, one of the clips that I show everybody, a lot of clips that I've shown you in the last 10 years, he's still playing the character, but he's referencing all this stuff that like super fans know about which is not, not they're smart marks that's what this is this is these are for smarks there are people like me and chris <laughs> that don't like i don't really care about who's got the best figure for i don't care i don't care about the in-ring stuff there's a lot of amazing stuff there's guys in the company like ricochet who do flippy floppy stuff it's just it's gobsmackingly amazing and they look like gymnasts i don't care i want to know who maneuvered who to get to the place they're at and why they're at the place they're at. Does that make sense? Yeah. And I guess this did raise some of those questions for me. We get, we kind of follow the narratives of a few characters, right? We get, um, well, Jake, the snake, uh, he's not the first first we meet. We get, um, Terry Funk. We get mankind, cactus, Jack, Mick Foley, same guy. And then, um, well, there are some other smaller characters, but, kind of the rock at the end and that's the one that raised the most questions for me because i i just the rock sort of shows up as a heel it's kind of implied he's a heel in this feud yeah the rock's majority of time of the rock was a heel during his first two runs and i guess the character it, it just didn't make sense how i mean mankind sort of has all this back history of this extreme wrestler that builds a cult following and his sort of implied rise to fame makes sense where the rock just sort of shows up and i guess just knowing what twain became afterwards Mm -hmm. it just i was like where did this guy come from how does he fit in (laughs) well i mean they one of the tags on the show on the show in the film is like wrestlers are just like us except they're they're dads they're blank they're toys think about it from the toy perspective what do you think is going to sell more to the majority of kids a mankind something or the rock something I would have I would have thought a mankind thing, but maybe oh, I'm I wrong. You're 100 percent wrong. I'm so sorry. Maybe I'm just a, I'm I'm also a weird kid. So I mean, yeah, I don't know. It's it's the Rock. He's okay. he's the muscular man that looks more like Hulk Hogan. Like it's not complicated. All right, I guess. Yeah. So that's why I don't know if you know notice in the intro of the, uh, the match they're like Mick Foley. Is, mankind is the most. Uh, 
un most like unorthodox whatever but the most deserving and that's 100 percent true okay so if you think about it that way it makes total sense yeah i guess and that was kind of illuminated throughout especially with all that old footage of like him and funk mutilating themselves i mean that stuff's that's rough it's rough on the eyes um i thought I, I don't know if we should spoil any of this. It's assumed that someone's watched. It's been it. out for 21 years, and it's The Rock's big screen debut. We're not spoiling Great. anything. Okay. Well, you know, I thought it was a very effective tool of filmmaking when they show his children watching him up close and crying. And oh god, yeah. You know, it's very hard to watch. Although I have another point to make about that after this one. Um, and then we end the film sort of with like the director showing Mick Foley and his family that footage and Mick Foley having this realization where he's like, wow, I'm a bad person. That's not good. And I am guessing that that was the last time he bloodied himself up in a ring because I know he continued to wrestle. Oh, you're a hundred percent wrong. Wow. Most wrong you've ever sounded ever. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. He continued to do crazy stuff. Um, like five or six years later, he did a WrestleMania match against Edge where he went through like a flaming table. Oh my goodness. He had, he had incredibly bloody matches with Sting and TNA. So what in was like that all about? <laughs> Declaration on camera where he's like, I'm done. That's it. Oh, you've never. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You've never uh, done any research about wrestling. No one's ever done. No. That's why. Oh, yeah. That's why when Stone Cold walked away, it's so crazy because he's the only one that ever walked away and was actually done. Yeah. I mean, that's, you know, we get that with Terry Funk. They're like, yeah. And his retirement lasted all of three months or whatever. Yeah. And he's still, he did a retirement match in the last five years, which is insane. (laughs) Completely insane. No one, they're all liars, but they're sincere liars. Right. No, I don't think it's, it's a, yeah, they, they do believe that they're done, I guess when they say it, but Oh, I just realized Mick Foley did a bump this year. Wow. <laughs> yeah. So Mick Foley, so the WWF slash E ended up having like the fake president and the chairman or and like the CEO and the whatever. So Mick Foley was an in-ring character. He didn't really take any bumps for a long time. He was pretty beloved. He was the, the general manager on Raw. And then he did a, like a comp, was either late 2019 or early 2020, where he got Mr. Sockoed, which was his move, by uh, by a character this year. Wow. So we still will occasionally take a bump. They're not nearly like headshots, but you got also got to remember this is before we know about CTE. Hmm. So they're still doing like modified headshots where it's not actually hitting the head, at least in the WWE. And he is he relatively unscathed then? Foley? Yeah. Like, what's his no, deal? Super messed up. He like lost an ear. No, I mean mentally. Oh, it's debatable. Um, he's had some like on camera lapses, which are like, which are played off as like not bad, but it's like, yeah, that doesn't happen unless you did all those chair shots. Hmm. And like, like I said, once the knowledge became pretty clear that like, this is super bad in the last decade, they've really toned it down. They were very much against toning it down for a very long time. Um, in Foley's second book, there's an addendum chapter all about how, these parents that are mad at the WWF for causing Columbine are just wrong. And here are all the actual violent things. And here's how the WWF is good. And he says he regrets writing that chapter (laughs) and they didn't stop doing this stuff until it was, I'd say far too late. Then again, the NFL exists and they stopped a lot later 
but it's not sure. a good it's not a good position. Sure. Yeah, I guess the other point I sort of had about the uh, his children watching, I, I, I was just confused why why they were there in the first place, and then why his wife kept kind of like seemingly making it worse by like reacting so intensely to every chair hit. Um, I mean, she was reacting honestly. I know, I I know. I'm not faulting her. It just, I guess, it was just hard to watch. And you okay, so do you want to guess there. what Dewey is doing? Oh, Dewey wow. is the younger son in the film. I mean, wrestling. Yep. Yeah. Uh, he's involved in WWE creative, or at least was. Do you know what Noelle is doing? Daughter? Yeah. Wrestling? That's right. It's wrestling-related <laughs> stuff. Like, it's wow. in the bloodline, man. And that, that I mean, same with um, the Bret Hart doc. Is, yeah. Is, is, oh, that, that is an interesting thing here. And um, from the Funk family lineage, though... Though Mick Foley, I mean, I that that one his story sort of hit home for me, literally. Oh, he's great. Um, because I had friends that backyard wrestled in Long Island that oh, had yeah. dads that were exactly like that guy. Um, yeah. And it's just kind of crazy how far how high he rose from that. Oh yeah, she's great. Sorry, he's great. I was he just is. doing some more research about Noel to see what she's up to right now. <laughs> and you know. The other big story of Jake in this film is obviously heartbreaking and um, almost cliched. It's like it's crazy how that plays out on camera. Um, what happened of him after? Oh, this God, he's because- my favorite. So let's let's give you the history of Jake. Um, if you want to do a super deep dive into a, not even a super deep dive, watch his documentary that came out in the mid aughts. Sorry, no, the mid teens. Uh, the resurrection of Jake the Snake Roberts. It's really great. Um, it's not as depressing as this. It's very depressing. Don't get me wrong. <laughs> There's not a ton of joy, but there is a sort of happy ending there. And um, Jake is was and probably still is my favorite wrestler of all time. I was Jake the Snake Roberts for Halloween as a kid, and I told Jake the Snake Roberts that when I interviewed him a few years ago. It was uh 2016 when I interviewed him in 2016, and the first thing he said after that was, "I'm sorry," and apologized for uh me liking him jake still has no self-esteem it's amazing uh jake well, has I the mean, greatest it, donald trump story of all time that i've ever heard when it comes to wrestling and i'll include it at the end of this podcast um it's great jake um jake is one other honest liar uh jake has been struggling with substance abuse since the 80s he still does he's very open about it well as open as you can be on twitter about it jake is still in the wrestling ring he's a, now a manager in aew and he's so great he is the best on the mic that there's ever been. Number two would probably be Piper. Number three, Rock. Four, Stone Cold. Five, Punk. Anyways, uh, he's still doing the thing. Um, and the only reason he's still doing the thing is because of the support of other wrestlers like Diamond Dallas Page. Hmm. Who you might have heard in podcasts because DDP Yoga is a thing that advertises on most combat sports podcasts. Well, I don't listen to combat sports podcasts, but what's wrong with you? This is 2020. I, I thought you I'm cared sorry. about politics. <laughs> Anyways, yeah, Jake. Um, Jake's story. Jake is the wrestler. Yeah, that's the thing. He really is. Yeah. Oh, you got to remember once again timeline. This is 99. This is before podcast. This is about everyone has a documentary. So when you first heard about this. All the guys like Roddy Piper were like, yeah, this is it. This is the first film that really gets to it. Jake is not an exception. Jake is the norm here. And 
that's an exaggeration, but a lot of guys end up like Jake for a reason. It's well, a and that, if there's a criticism of the film, it's that it kind of skews the other way where it tries to convince us that most of these guys have great normal lives and families. And then oh, I disagree some... just because you get the Foley note. Well, you get the Foley and, and funk is fairly supported by his family and it's yeah but funk's family's also like we never really liked this and he still won't quit and he's like i'm gonna quit and then the post group is like yeah three months later he's back at it he never dude never quits the other guy's like yeah i quit from a funeral home um but i'm trying to and the other guy's oh, still working man, at the yeah. indies the other guy that actually does make it they have to have another post script because he's paralyzed three months later what are you talking about i didn't get that wait where was that postscript because i didn't that's okay so they do all the like they do the funk foley the two ind- independent wrestlers with that script. And then there's a separate still right before the credits of like, this guy got paralyzed three months later. Oh God. I must've just missed that. Yeah. So I, just because you literally see Mick and his wife walking down a sunny Florida street, it makes it seem like everything's fine. It's not. Yeah. It's horrible. Yeah. Yeah. It is sad. Um, this is one of those films that when, I think about, will I ever let my kid watch wrestling? Will I ever let my kid watch NFL? I'm thinking no. <laughs> hmm. Why? I don't know. I don't know why. Um, I don't know why. Because it is a lot safer than it was 21 years ago, or 22 years ago when they filmed this. But it's Watching still... Watching it's different than participating, no? Yeah, but like you saw those fans in the arenas. Like kids don't really understand that like, that 10-year-old that's like, Foley doesn't feel pain, like, I think he believed that. Oh, he did, yes. Yeah, that's not a good thing to teach. Well, Foley's a great performer. Foley's great. I like. I legitimately like Mick Foley. Uh, Mick Foley is a pretty uh, well-received one-man show. He's at the DC Improv regularly. He's clearly not there now because of coronavirus. So, shame with Jake the Snake. Um, these are two of the, honest, this is not a joke, like two of the best storytellers of the modern era are professional wrestlers, former professional wrestlers, which is not in any way surprising. No, the whole thing was fascinating for me. And, uh, man, the paralyzed thing is really getting me. That's, that's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. It is interesting watching wrestling with shadows in the same month that one of the things that Bret Hart like prized himself on was never hurting anyone. Hmm. And this is the exact opposite of that. Very much this so. is let's do a bunch of direct headshots to Mick Foley from The Rock and never talk about concussions once. So the agency that performers like Mick Foley and The Rock have in deciding how the match unfolds, that surprised me as well. Um, I guess I always assumed that Vince or writers mm-hmm. i guess would be the one saying and then this is going to happen and then the chair comes out but i guess they really leave it up to the wrestlers it depends um you got to remember but at this point foley's been doing this for like 15 years and the rock has been only doing it for like five but it's literally in his bloodline his mom ran a wrestling company and his dad was a wrestler rocky johnson so he knows the business they know how to do this um Stone Cold called his own matches. Um, one of the reasons why a lot of guys have long hair is so they could hide their mouths when they call matches. Um, uh-huh. Clearly, Stone Cold didn't need to do that. He's bald. It doesn't matter. Uh, it depends on the wrestler. Usually, I'm speaking like I know this, but based on <laughs> the hundreds of hours of research I've done, uh, it's really up to um, 
the promotion and it's usually just a time limit thing. Like you got five minutes to do your thing. There's person goes over, figure it out mm-hmm. and that's it. And Chris Jericho is probably the best resource on this because he would talk about the difference when he would go from WWE to new Japan pro wrestling. He did this a few years ago to AEW now where AEW guys get the most creative freedom. New Japan guys don't really know what anyone else is doing. So they kind of have to pay attention. So they don't repeat spots and WWE is planned out. We're like, the Rock's going to do this spot, so Stone Cold won't do this spot because it'll be the same type of big moment. Does that make sense? It does. So it really depends on the promotion. And clearly in this doc, uh, Jim Ross is currently a part of creative and Vince McMahon is part of creative. And you see that going on. Uh, you see Jim Ross uh, in the earphones of the announcers telling them what to say. That's that still was exists. surprising. That was surprising. Vince McMahon still does that. Triple H still does that. So, yeah. Huh. AEW is very different. So it's really promotion to promotion. There's not one like golden rule across professional wrestling. It's it's very different with each one. But WWE is still the top of the mountain, then AEW, and then NXT. And if two of the three are just still doing it like that, that's how I think it's fair to say it usually works. So there was one point in the film where they say, um, you know, WWF's I think it was still the WWF at that point. That was still WWF, yes. Yeah, they were like, you know, it's worth more than the Knicks, the Lakers, the and like five different sports teams combined. Um, so that's no longer true, and I don't know if that's because... Well, that was never true. Oh, okay. That Fair was never enough. true, at least financially. Never, okay. ever. Because currently... WWE's finances peaked when the network launched and Vince McMahon became a legit billionaire and in the Fox deal was like three years later. So like 2018 ish is when Vince McMahon was the richest he's ever been. Okay. Cause and they're still maybe they're listed at 5.7 billion. As oh, that's wrong. Okay. That that's currently their price. I mean, that's just what Google says the WWE okay. is worth, but so I mean, all that that's worth like what? So that's, like, that's worth what? Four NBA teams. No, the Knicks are 4.6 billion. Okay, but that they're the second most or highest, right? It's Knicks and Lakers still. Right, 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 right. right. Yeah, so you can maybe buy like the Wolves, the Timberwolves, the Grizzlies. That's about it, maybe. Yeah, they're like, yeah, that's right. About one and a half billion for probably a regular team. Yeah, so Vince could maybe buy like seven hockey teams or three NBA teams. It's incredible. It's truly incredible. Um, seeing China was sad. Oh, don't Google how China's next uh, and to the end of her life goes if you don't well, want to get more depressed. I think I know some of the highlights or lowlights, but um, yeah. I mean, you pointed this out in the, you know, when we watched the Bret Hart doc, I believe, where it's like, let's count, you know, how many people in this film are dead. Yeah. Um, so I guess it surprised me that, uh, Terry Funk wrestles still. Mick Foley still. Jake Roberts is out there doing stuff like that. Jake's not taking bumps. Okay. Jake's not in the ring. He can't physically handle it. He's got to be old by now. It's more of a, a Funk's older. Number one. Uh, no, it's just abusive body forever. Mm, okay. But he's still. He could still. He's still amazing on Mike when he needs to be. So. Well, like I said, I don't care about the in-ring stuff. Jake never held a major belt. No one cared. Jake looked at the camera quietly, 
and made you listen. And he's one of the very few that didn't wasn't known for raising his voice. And also, the Austin three sixteen promo comes from Jake the Snake. Explain. Jake the Snake uh, lost to Austin, and that's when Jake was born again. And that's why Austin says, "You got your uh, uh, your John three sixteen. Well, Austin three sixteen says, I'm going to whoop your ass.' That's, I mean, he didn't give him that, but that doesn't come without Jake being born again in '96. Wow. But this is this is where I like the comparisons to real sports because, like last night, the NBA was on. Right, it was back for the first time in a very long time. It and was. Reggie Miller's calling the game and LeBron's on the court and LeBron played against Reggie and in the studio was Shaq and Shaq was on the same team as LeBron and uh, Reggie and Charles Barkley had a lot of great games against each other. And Charles Barkley's also in there. So it's like, it's that continuation of the story that I love that you don't get anywhere else. Well, you know, no, that's a lie. I, you get everywhere else, but this is more intentional. Yeah. Well, right. And the lines get blurry and that's what makes it such an interesting study. The internet would suggest that Jake Roberts is now worth anywhere between a million and five million, whereas the previous year it was a hundred thousand. Did something happen in the last year or two that really? He's on turned- AEW as like a full time cast member. I guess you'd call it a cast member <laughs> as a full time manager, but like, there's no way he's worth one to five million dollars. That's yeah, completely that's wrong. Exactly what I was thinking. I mean, that seems he may be worth like at best one hundred to five hundred thousand dollars. Okay. At well, best. I guess. Because he's playing like Magoobie's Joe Cut in Baltimore and he's selling that out and that's he's making like thirty bucks a pop. I'm just trying to think of the math. He's had a few successful tours that he'll do like forty to sixty dates and they'll all sell out, but like at most he's making like five grand a night on those hmm. with meet and greets, and I think that's not the average. So no, there's no way, Jake. So I brought this up to you. This is uh Barry Blaustein's first directing credit. Yes, that's correct. Former SNL writer, uh, currently working on Coming to America, the sequel to Coming to America. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. Well, because he also had a writing credit on Coming to America and yep. Police Academy and The Nutty Professor. Yep. He's I friends mean, with Eddie Murphy. Oh, yeah. You think? Um, wow. Just weird. Yeah. That's just another thing. I don't think this documentary gets made by a not rich comedy writer or some guy that has an in where you can be like, yeah, I'm friends with Eddie Murphy. Just a passion project, though. Yeah, 100%. He's got Nutty Professor money. Why the hell else? Well, like, What else are you going to do? So six years later, he makes The Ringer, which is yeah. a sports well, he comedy was, he directed with Knoxville. And- he directed that. Okay. So, yeah. <laughs> wow. Just wow. Yeah. I always thought Knoxville, if Jackass didn't exist, Knoxville would be an amazing wrestler. You know, I've revisited um I revisited the first Jackass not so long ago. Mm-hmm. He's incredible. Oh, top 20 charismatic men of the last 20 years. Yeah, man. He and and you're right to kind of relate it to wrestling. Um and I'm surprised that crossover never happened actually. Didn't need to. Steve-O never gotten a WWE ring? I think he I think he did. I think he took a bump or two. But Steve-O's not reliable, and Steve-O's not really charismatic. No, that's true. I think Steve-O's a, like, yeah, Steve-O was on Raw. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I don't think, 
I'm trying to think of like what Steve O would represent in the real world. Uh to me it's a a rock star that's not necessarily good on camera and in interviews or you know like the lead singer of Buckcherry? Sure. I don't even I don't get that reference, but I'm just thinking they kind of have the same sinewy body. That's oh, the only okay. Fair enough. And Buck Cherry's um, first thing was about how much they love cocaine. So that's why I think about <laughs> But yeah, you know, like there are your rock stars like Iggy Pop who end up being like really good on camera and in yeah. films and stuff like that. And then there are other ones who are just sort of train wrecks that you don't really ever get to pin down or they die young or yeah. Yeah, I think like um Knoxville would be the, my favorite jackass cast member in a in a wrestling ring. I'm just really surprised. No, he 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 did. Yes, he, he was did? a guest star on, on Raw. It seems. Oh, probably to promote. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I see that. Okay. So he did do it. Okay. Yeah. Wow. Everybody ends up in wrestling somehow. Oh yeah, I know. Fascinating. Yeah. This was great. This was great. It, it it made me, and I mentioned this to you, it's like, it's a shame there won't be a great film on Vince McMahon for real. Yeah. I, I, I've been thinking about this every time we talk about this, and I, I don't think it'll be when he's dead because of his kids. And I don't think it'll be when his kids die because i don't know if the interest will be there but i feel like this might be that like a whatever the version of ken burns is in a hundred years might do something on this yeah i mean eventually you have to it's just so fascinating i mean with the current administration being in the hall of fame it seems inevitable that there'd be a deep dive on this but clearly i've been wrong for the last four years so like what do i know yeah where it's very depressing what Let's say, so Jake, right? You you say just yeah. the best potentially ever on my... Where would someone go to experience Jake and his glory? Oh, YouTube, man. There's like a some great patriots have pulled together like the best 40 clips of Jake on Mike. Okay. Pretty much everyone that's ever done this. You could find a great playlist. It's hard to know. It's always hard when, when, I, when I find little moments of getting, you know, uh, enjoying wrestling or... It's always hard to know where to go next. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. Because there's endless amounts of YouTube and archive mm -hmm. stuff. And then the new stuff is sort of without someone sitting there next to you explaining all the plot lines and stuff. It's just almost completely over your head. So it's like, yeah, what what else is on the viewing list? So uh, for Jake, I actually watched the doc because I'm assuming the doc has a bunch of the greatest of his clips. But yeah, I've gone to a, down a lot of rabbit holes about promos, and I'd say Jake is number one, just mm. in terms of pure, like yeah, just in terms of pure dialogue, pure monologue. Jake's number one to me. All right. The more I think about it, I'm like, yeah, but Jake didn't make any money. <laughs> yeah, like, that's... so Stone Cold should be number one. But like, Stone Cold had like one note. This is the difference of like. My favorite band is never going to be the most successful band. My favorite film is never going to be the most successful film, but I'm willing to acknowledge that like it this is not the Titanic of films. This is the right. Goodwill Hunting of films. And I'm only mentioning that cuz it's the same year. Uh, huh. 
where like Titanic would be at this point, the rock, even though at his peak stone cold was better, but the rocks done it longer has made more money for the company. Now, does that make sense? It does. The rock yeah. phenomenon still doesn't make complete sense to me. I just, it, did you notice how much Elvis the rock was doing? Yes. Yeah. I did notice that. I guess there it is. Yeah. Both. I, I love the interactions between Steve and Dwayne and, and Mick and the families. Yeah. And things. Like that stuff is just awesome. Yeah. That stuff yeah. is great. Yep. Truly. No Undertaker in this film. I mean, it was You see him for a glimpse. You see yes. him in Triple H watching the screen during the Rock Foley match, but that's it. Yeah, but... I mean, the Rock finally broke kayfabe this year. Sorry, 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 sorry. Undertaker. Undertaker finally broke kayfabe this year. Did he? 2020. Yeah. So, um... How? Why? the end of The Last Dance, uh, WWE started to premiere uh, The Last Ride, a docu-series about The Undertaker, but from from Mark's perspective, like actually Mark's breaking character, Mark Calloway plays The Undertaker. And that's the first time. So he had to do the circuit of like, you got to do the Ringer interview, you got to do the sports podcast, etc. So he's done that now. And it's weird. And you're saying he's never talked about himself or his As career? Himself. No, not really. Huh, when is that doc coming out? That's already out, but that's on the WWE network. So it's like who what are you what are we actually revealing here? Okay. Well, the, I could argue maybe just as much as was revealed in the last dance. Oh, for sure. Yeah, 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 yeah. For sure. So, you know, maybe it's worth watching. It I mean, yeah, I'm not gonna get the network again until there's people again because I'm not. I refuse to ever give a WWE money unless I own stock, which I do because I'm not an idiot. Uh, but <laughs> yeah, I'm not paying for the network. I'll watch that later whenever they figure out how to get crowds into arena. Because like the crowdless wrestling, it was cool for WrestleMania, but I just I don't know how people are watching week to week. Yeah, crowdless basketball seems pretty cool. At all least things, based on last all night. Things considered, the NBA did. A- pretty good job production I'm very interested to see how hockey looks tomorrow um, why are you saying oof I just don't like any sports happening right now personally that's just my but hockey's doing a bubble thing as well and they're in Canada uh, yeah no I, I I'm I include the NBA in sports I don't oh like really happening. yeah I'm not I'm not really watching the NBA um, you don't feel like we deserve it no okay I I'm don't. with you yeah I'm I with you I don't um, I empathize with the players who, of course, just want to play ball and like they're put in a position to be good or bad guys based on saying yes or no to it. It's yeah, it is what it is. I think everything should just be on hiatus, but. I get that. I'm I'm very interested to see if and when the NFL returns. Oh, yeah, that'll be really interesting to watch people. They want to. Um, I get it. I'm I'm interested I'm super interested in all this. It's theater. Okay, this is uh, probably the last wrestling document. I mean, I'll happily rewatch the Jake the Snake doc, but that's dark. Uh, <laughs> did this make you want to watch the current product in any way, or did this make you just want to go back and relive like Jake's 80s glory days or like early rock promos or anything like that? Or are you just like, I'm glad I saw this. That's enough. Hmm. Somewhere between the two. I don't know about the new, you know, I'll always enjoy watching it, the new stuff, you know, pre-corona, post-corona. Um, 
when given the opportunity, but it's never going to be something I seek out on my own. I don't know if that makes sense. That makes sense. And, and, and the old stuff, I signed up for the WWE Network trial to, and I was like, oh, I'm going to go back and watch all the matches. I never did. Yeah. So it's like something that exists in like a nice nostalgic place in my brain and heart, but I never really do it. Yeah. <laughs> do you think you'll ever have a kid? Maybe. Toss up. What if, if your kid wants to watch it, will you let your kid watch it? Yeah, for sure. Cool. Yeah, I'm all in. The following was recorded in August 2016, and it was first broadcast as part of the Great American Bash podcast that Chris Kelly and I do. You could find the first 100 episodes of those on WGN Radio's website, and you could find the most recent ones on youmethemeverybody.com. Here's Jake the Snake Roberts talking about uh, WrestleMania 4 and WrestleMania 7 connect to the current president of the United States of America. What's the deal with the WrestleMania yeah. 7 story and, Ivana Tr- and Ivanka Trump? Yeah, that happened. I've been, I was wrestling Rick Rude, man, and uh, man, she just was not paying any attention to us at all, and Rick Rude was an animal. And uh, we've been gutting it out for 20 minutes and uh, just could not get her attention at all. She was drinking her little champagne, you know, had her, had her body turned to the side, wasn't even pointing towards the ring. I, I considered that a huge insult. And so whenever I slid out of the ring, I accidentally spun around and had the snake and it slapped her in the breast, you know, and uh, she took a bump backwards. Uh, over on her back, her legs were up in the air, and uh, Donald was running up the aisle. And, uh, you know, I seen Donald years later and was informed by uh, the lady he was dating at the time, Marla, that uh, I was his favorite wrestler because of that. And uh, the fact is that uh, Miss Trump at the time uh, tried to get uh, some of her uh, bodyguards and stuff to find me and do me in. <laughs> she wanted me done in over that and uh so i got i guess i could become uh your prime you know i don't know maybe there's a spot in uh trump's uh, cabinet for me and we'll see <laughs>